Can you please explain to me Polo Thursdays? How Polo did, Thursdays. Yes. How did that start? I think I need to attach some sort of deeper meaning to okay. Polo Thursdays because okay. there isn't really anything there. So <clears throat> right now, the entire meaning of Polo Thursdays is you wear a polo <laughs> every single Thursday. And Profound. it started with Matthew Broder, um, which some of you may or may not know. I uh, graduated a year ago. But when I came for a visit my freshman year or my, my senior year of high school, um, he was the guy I did my overnight with along with Dylan Livgard. Uh, shout out, Dylan. Shout out. And um, something he told me that he did was Polo Thursdays. And I just like right away caught on to it as something fun to do. I always loved, you know, in high school, uh, my friends did McNabb Mondays. So oh, you'd okay. wear a Donovan McNabb jersey. Um, when I was in middle school, uh, somebody did pol- or no, um, bow tie Fridays. Oh, now that is something I can get on, bow tie Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I've always just had an affinity for doing weird things like polo Thursdays, like like bow tie Fridays or, or whatnot. I think I need to add some more things to my my um, my repertoire. So polo Thursdays is where we're starting out right now. Wow, that's great because you're wearing a, a polo right now, but it's that's not. casual. That's not for business. That's casual. <laughs> that's for style. <laughs> Just for fun. <laughs> that's hilarious. It is it is Tuesday when we're recording this, so it is not Thursday. So will you be wearing a polo on this Thursday? I will be, and I and I expect to be called out if I don't have a polo on. So. Wow! So some accountability. Do you, so. Yes. You, do you have an accountability partner for Polo no, Thursday? Nobody else does it. <laughs> so it's really quite disappointing. I'll be honest. I've I've like probably told people about it every single Thursday for the past two years, and I've I've gotten like at the most a couple semi lukewarm Polo Thursday <laughs> followers. Like it's it's pretty rough. I'll be honest, but. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're saying, how can I be more involved in salt company family, or maybe get, get a little bit closer to Jonathan Bunce's heart, wear a polo every single Thursday. And I guarantee you it will happen. Wow. That's it. That's the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It was just polo Thursday, you know? Well, anyways, um, welcome back to the Planted Podcast. I'm Juliana, and today I am joined by Jonathan Bunce, or I guess most people call you Bunce. Yeah. I'm really excited about today's topic because we are going to be talking about biblical boldness and how to speak truth and the gospel boldly in a world that is increasingly anti-Christian, anti-gospel, anti-Bible, whatever. Mm. And we're going to be talking about what the Bible has to say about boldness and why we as Christians are called to be bold. Then we want to equip you guys on how you can be more more bold in your daily lives. But before we get into how to be more bold or courageous as a Christian, I first want to define biblical boldness, what it is, what it isn't. And so, Bun, so what would you say biblical boldness is? Yeah, when I was thinking about how to dig into um, biblical boldness, the the first thing that um, stood out to me was um, the basis of who we are in Christ, right? Which starts with our identity. Um, And I'm going to try not to butcher this quote, but um, a C.S. Lewis quote that um, Evan loves and that I've come to uh, really enjoy um, is that as a Christian... Um, right. Um, we see Christianity like the sunrise, 
Um, not only do we see it clearly, but by it, we see everything else differently, right? So as a Christian, um, once we have put our faith in Christ and he is now our firm foundation, like the song, um, we're no longer our own, right? Like we are now in Christ. We're bought with a price. Um, it is now Christ that lives in us. Um, we do not control our own body, right? So then that's, that says for everything in our life, right? That everything is about Christ, right? There is no area of our life that now we say, um, this pocket is me, this pocket is Christ, this pocket is my family. No, everything is defined by our relationship um, to Christ, right? So when we start off there, when we start off that our identity uh, is in Christ, right? We already um, take out other options um, for what our basis of boldness is, like culture, comfortability, what our friends think, what our family think, even even those who are closest to us, right? What they think about our boldness or what they think about our identity, right? When we start with where we're rooted, um, I think that's that's the basis for um, biblical boldness is our identity in Christ. Um, and then kind of going into like uh, scripture verses and where it says in the Bible about boldness, um, one of the first things that came to mind was 2 Timothy 1.8. Uh, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, Paul speaking, but share in suffering by the gospel, for the gospel by the power of God. And reading this scripture, right, Paul is in prison writing this to Timothy, and Christians were ashamed to be um, in relationship or be known with Paul who's in prison and Christ who was crucified, right? We look at somebody who was crucified as um, almost like a servant leader glorious thing, right? In our culture, that's been defined by Christianity. But at the time, crucifixion was the most shameful thing that could happen to you as a person, right? You're, you're not buried. Um, you're basically put on trial as a, as a war criminal, right? So it was this incredibly shameful um, thing. So Paul's calling us into and say, do not be ashamed of Christ. Do not be ashamed of those who are living a life for him, but walk out in boldness for him. Um, and just knowing to 2 Corinthians 3.12, since we have such a hope, we are very bold, right? We're not doing this um, just for the sake of doing it. We're not doing this just to be countercultural, right? We're doing this because we have such a hope in the glorification of, of the kingdom of God, of knowing Christ intimately, right? So ultimately, this falls under loving God and loving people, right? If we're truly loving people, um, we're bold in our faith and we're sharing that intimately with those around us because the greatest hope is that we would one day be unified with Christ in his kingdom forever. Um, and there's a lot more things we could go into there, but that was, that was kind of the first thing that I was, <clears throat> was thinking about on that question. Wow. That's really good. I love that you started out with the reason why we are bold. The reason why the Bible calls us to biblical boldness or why as we we as Christians want to be bold is because our identity is in Christ. Mm. And one quote that I thought kind of, or that I think kind of sums up everything that you kind of said is a quote from Desiring God. And it says, boldness is acting by the power of the Holy Spirit on an urgent conviction in the face of some threat. 
And so boldness isn't a personality trait. A lot of people think that, oh, that person is super bold. They're courageous. They're outspoken and they're born like that. And I'm not naturally like that. And so I can never be bold. Or people think that boldness is a feeling of like never being afraid in the face of adversity. But that's actually not what biblical boldness is. Biblical boldness is acting by the power of the Holy Spirit. And like you said, for a purpose, all of the verses that you are talking about, um, or the one verse, they were all, um, asking for boldness or wanting boldness for a mission and that's mm-hmm. to share the gospel mm-hmm. and like you said we don't want to be bold just for the sake of being bold but mm-hmm. we actually want to be bold to share the gospel and to um yeah glorify god in that i think of um the a verse in acts 4 which says and this is the early church talking Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Mm -hmm. And so we're not just bold for the sake of being bold, but we are actually bold to glorify God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I even think um, 1 Thessalonians 2, um, verse 4, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts, right? So just getting at exactly what you were saying. Um, the ultimate is to glorify, to please God through our boldness and uh, to love him and love people through that. Mm-hmm. Bun, so like kind of in your experience, where have, how have you learned to be more bold or how has this played in your walk with Jesus? Yeah, I think this is the first thing that, when Juliana asked, like, what do you want to do for a podcast top, uh, topic or, um, is there something you want to talk about? And I was thinking I could, um, sit here for 20 minutes and talk about something that somebody else could explain way better in half the time, or I could maybe point to a little bit of personal experience and, um, hopefully give somebody some hope and, or, um, an example of how not to do it. Um, an example of how to grow, Uh, through that from my past. So when I first became a Christian, my junior year of high school, I had three really close friends who were my Christian friends. So we were walking after Christ together, but we had a friend group of of around 12 people who did not follow Christ. Um, And those were my, you know, close friends, intimate. That's who I hung out with on the weekends. That's who I did everything with. So suddenly the Bible's views about absolute truth, about scriptural authority, about sexuality, about um, going out on the weekends, right? Suddenly came into view as being um, directly opposing everything that my friends did on the weekends, everything that they did in their lives. So I'm sitting in this moment. It's like, okay, I've now become a Christian. The number one thing in my life is God. My foundation is now in God. And yet the number one thing I don't want to do is tell people, tell people about it, right? To, to witness to them about what God thinks about their life, to witness to them about what God wants for them. So honestly, for a period of two years, my main mindset towards boldness was how can I say enough to not feel guilty at church on Sunday uh, but not enough to where anybody would dislike me, right? For me, I'm, that's, that's probably the root of 
90% of my sin is trying to get people to like me instead of genuinely loving them. So for me, living that out for two years, I saw how there were so many opportunities where people say, hey, like, why aren't you drinking, right? Hey, why, why do you have these views about sexuality, right? And I would use it as a, um, an opportunity to say, oh, um, that's just not what I do, or I play sports and um, like it's not the best thing for athleticism or it's not the best thing for my body, and was just running away from these opportunities to witness to uh, the truth that Christ lays out for us in his scriptures, And I think the last two years of college has been a journey of um, growing into walking out my beliefs in every area of my life, right? So, you know, if I can tell somebody in church that I believe X, I should be able to tell the, say, say the same exact thing um, in a lot in the locker room at football practice on Tuesday. And for the longest time, that wasn't the case. And slowly over time, I saw how Christ transformed my heart through not being ashamed to say those things, but almost looking at those as opportunities to share the gospel, like as, as ways that I could bring somebody into understanding who Christ was instead of just saying, okay, I know Christ says this thing about uh, righteousness or the way you live your life or about following him, but I got to, I got to hide that from everybody so I can show them the parts that look good to an American culture instead of presenting Christ for who he truly was and letting people grapple with that on their own, letting people grapple with the truth, the love, the grace, um, that Christ was or that Christ is. Um, and I'm still, I think walking through that journey of of what it looks like to truly be bold on a football team, in a classroom, in a workforce. I was talking to Juliana today about, I was at work and um, I had this perfect opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. I'm saying, I was like, I'm doing a podcast tonight about boldness. I can't, I can't not say something. That would be, um, I would be the biggest hypocrite of all time. And I still am. I still am the biggest hypocrite and didn't really do that great of a job. But I mean, that's part of the journey. And um, I think just recognizing um, how quick I am to feel ashamed of Christ's truth, how quick I am to want to put him in a box, put him in a corner of my life instead of living him out in every aspect um, is a constant temptation. But um, yeah, that's a little bit, little bit of my story through it. I think probably forgot um, two to 15 details in there, but As you were talking, it reminded me of the verse in Romans where it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Greek. And as I was, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking, okay, what is the antonym of boldness? And I and it's probably like shame. The yeah. antonym, antonym of boldness is probably shame, the opposite of what boldness is. And so let's dig into that a little bit more. In your story, you mentioned how you have been afraid of sharing biblical truth or the gospel with your high school friends and your teammates. Why is that? Why is it scary sharing truth to people who might not receive it well? Yeah, I think for me... I- like I'm kind of uh, briefly touched on 
it was an attack at my identity, right? So if I share the gospel with somebody and they don't either like the way I shared it, they don't like uh, what it means for their life, they don't like the Bible's views about certain things, right? To me, that came across as you don't like me. So for me, I was walking on these eggshells of how can I share this in such a perfect way where they learn the love of Christ, but also at an equally important level, still like me. And maybe even more important is that they still like me. And I think, I mean, I can't speak for everybody on this, um, but I think that's a big reason why we, we struggle with boldness is because so much of our identity is tied into what people think about us, how much people like us, and um, something... I read somewhere, I can't, can't give a direct quote, um, but just talking about how it's more important to love somebody than to be liked by somebody. Wow, um, that's good. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't take credit for it. I wish I could, but just getting along that idea of the gospel never calls us to be liked, but every, every page of the Bible calls us to love, right? Like I was, I was listening to a sermon on, on Matthew, like you were talking about and how radical was it that Christ calls us to love our enemy, right? He doesn't call us to be liked by our enemy or even, he doesn't even call us to like our enemy. He calls us to love them. And, um, every, every time, every time I hear a message on that or about, um, the, the approval of man about caring more about what people think, it just hits me to the core because I realize how much of my life is determined by what other people think. Even if it's people that are Christians that are super influential in my life, it's um, it's not how can I love God and love people, it's how can I have this mentor like me? How can I have um, you know my close friend like me? It's all these um, different things. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I think you nailed it right on the head. The reason why we struggle with boldness is because we fear man more than we fear God. We want the approval of our peers more than we want to be obedient to God. And just thinking of ways, how do we reorient that? God is literally the creator of the universe. He's perfect. He's holy. He's omniscient, omnipotent. He deserves all of our worship. And yet we rather have the approval of our high school friends or our peers than the God of the universe, than to be obedient to the God of the universe. Why do we do this? (laughs) Like when you say it like that, it doesn't make any sense, but it is so true. This need to want to be liked. And I love what you're saying that the Bible calls us to love the people around us. And the most loving thing that you can do for the people around you is to share the gospel yeah, with them. Amen. To boldly share the gospel, the, the salvation by grace um, through faith. That is the best way to love people. But we are so afraid of what they will think of us if we do that, what they will say of us, or if we lose that friendship, that it literally stops us from sharing with them the thing that could save their eternities. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I think I talked about at a conference, but, and this this was my high school self, right? When I heard the, it's the uh, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. And as, as a high school student, I like, 
just completely roped that in. I was like, yes, I don't have to be bold with my words. I don't have to preach the gospel. I can just be nice. Um, how or I guess how I view nice to be. Um, and uh, I think the speaker at conference made the analogy of feeding the homeless without using food. And when you put it in that light, it's like, wow, how can we love people without sharing with them the greatest love that has ever been shown in human history, which is that Christ came down in the likeness of man to save humanity through his death on a cross. And, um, like when I heard that, it was like immediate conviction for me. I was like, I've lived that out for three years, but it's all right. And, um, something I was like thinking about and, um, pondering on, because there is a real aspect of your relationship with people, right? So um, thinking through what does it look like to not simply view preaching the gospel as a transaction, right? Simply giving you the words that Christ loves you, but also not shying away, shying away from preaching that. And I know you probably have some unique experience through that of being in ministry, but that's something I've been thinking through is, how do we find that balance of what it looks like to love people through our actions and also love people through our words of actually preaching the gospel to them? Yeah, it's definitely a balance of, okay, if I preach the gospel to them, but I am so mean to them (laughs) and just rip them. Anytime I see them, why would they listen to what I have to say? But also if I'm only nice to them and only kind and loving and gracious with them, but never share the gospel with them, that's also not great either because non-Christians could do that. Non-Christians could be really nice and loving and be your really good friend. But what makes us different is that we actually share the gospel with them, that we know what can give them eternal salvation yeah and so it's a both <laughs> like you, you do <laughs> it's a both and <laughs> yeah, it's a both and like you do both of them like you both live out the gospel but you also have to proclaim the gospel with words yeah the gospel is good news it's meant to be proclaimed out of your mouth and so it has to be shared with words yeah that's good So we have been talking about what the Bible says, what is boldness, why we should be bold as Christians, but how do we practically live this out? In your experience and your understanding, what are small ways that we can be bold as Christians, that we can speak um, truth and share our faith? I think the best way practically for everyone to start is to ask really good questions. Like, you don't need to go into a conversation and just come at somebody and say, did you know that Christ died for your sins and that he wants a relationship with you? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, yes, he does. And that's extremely important. Um, but like, think of what debate or conversation you would come at in that way where you just suddenly assuming you know every single thing about the other person and that exactly what you say is going to touch their heart, right? So one of the best ways to give yourself a space to share the gospel is just start asking them questions. Hey, like, first of all, you know, where were you born? Like, where'd you grow up? What, like, what was your experience 
growing up? Did you grow up in Minnesota? Did you grow up in the United States? Did you grow up internationally, right? You know, going a step further, did you grow up in the church? Do you have an experience with organized religion, right? And just continuing to ask these questions, get deeper and deeper to say, hey, like, what do you think is going to happen when you die, right? Like, do you ever do you ever come to grips with that? Do you ever think about um, the reason why you're here, right? Do you ever, like, ponder and say, um, why, why am I this conscious being floating on this uh, spheroid called Earth? And, like in 2023 and like that's that's the book of ecclesiastes is just saying like what does all this work all this toil what meaning does it have outside of god and like you you will not i guarantee you will not come across a person who has not thought about what happens after they die and they might give you a shallow answer but then it's you know digging deeper into that it's like like why isn't that important to you right like like what what do you think what do you think eternity is like? What do you think it means to exist forever? Right? Like, what do you think it means to like exist? Like, would you want to live like you're living right now forever? And just like continuing to ask questions to get to the heart of where the person's at to then, right? That's part of gospel fluency is to be then insert the gospel into their framework, right? To you're not, you're not changing the gospel, right? You're not, but it's, it's being able to contextualize the truth of the gospel in that person's life as to a way that they can both understand and come to grips with, that they can wrestle with, right? Because you preaching um, an American contextualized version of the gospel to somebody who grew up in Japan, just it, it won't have the same effect on that person, right? Because they didn't grow up in the same context that we did. Similarly, if you, you, know, you try to talk about honor shame to somebody who grew up in Minnesota where our happiness is determined based on how we feel, what we think, our own individual freedom, right? It's not going to have the same effect. So I just think asking questions is um, one of the best ways as I, as I ranted for, for 10 minutes and asked zero questions, so... <laughs> uh, not practicing what I'm preaching, but no, that's great. I, I agree with you. Asking questions is a great segue into, yeah, more deep spiritual conversations. Another small way to boldly be a Christian in more of an anti-Christian world is to not affirm sin. When someone yeah. is talking about their sin, they're like, Hey man, I got so drunk this Friday, got in with my fake ID. It was so fun. Stayed up all night puking. One way to be a Christian in that conversation is to actually not affirm them and say, wow, that seems like so much fun. <laughs> like, what did you do afterwards? But actually to redirect the conversation of, oh, that's kind of a bummer that you got really sick. Do you enjoy doing that? Yeah. And so not affirming people's sin, not affirming um, their lifestyle is actually one way to um, love them and speak truth into them. Yeah, I always, it's the, the classic quote, do as I say, not as I do. Like the uh, the dad to their son. <laughs> and I was, I was talking to my brother the other day and he's learning how to drive. He just got his permit. And... My dad's, I could say you, he's a little bit of an aggressive driver. He's, you know, he's, um, 
he's a little bit more on that side. So, you know, as he's telling my brother all these things of, okay, never, never be close to somebody, always stop fully on your stop signs, always signal your turns, all these things. My brother's like, you never do any of those things. Like, <laughs> like what, like, how do you actually want me to drive here? And I think the principle applies to exactly what you were saying, right? People watch, right? When, when you have a table of, uh, 10 people and they're all talking about who the next person they want to hook up with is right they watch how you react to that right are you speaking truth into their lives about how that's going to lead them down a path of emptiness right are you laughing at their jokes are you engaging in the conversation in a way that supports what they're saying are you walking away are you clearly straight face right like people like we we pick up so much more non-verbally even than we think right so just the way that you react to things is going to be a huge witness to the gospel to christ to everything about truth um and that's not something uh that's easy to do at all like try to sit in a conversation where people are talking about something that they find comfortable that they find fun Right, and then try to ruin their fun by sitting there being clearly not disappointed, not judgmental, but clearly not supportive, and just see how the tone changes. Right? See how like the way they address you changes. It's very difficult, but very worth it. Buns. What would be your last encouragement to our listeners on this topic? Okay, I have two. I'm breaking the rule. I have two. (laughs) So the first one is gratitude, which is definitely a buzzword, but especially applies to this situation. And just being grateful for all the people who have come to Christ through the sharing of the gospel, right? Like one, remember who shared it with you, right? Think of, put, put yourself in their shoes, right? I don't think it was super comfortable for them to invite you to Salt Company for six straight weeks where you texted them back only once that you begrudgingly came on a Thursday night, right? That they invited you to C group every single week, right? Think about their be in their shoes and how uncomfortable it was for them, but they did it anyways because they loved you and because they loved God. And then just think about all the people who you may have shared it with and have come to know Christ through that, that testimony, right? Through you sharing them God's goodness. And I just think, um, this spring, uh, shout out Nick. I don't know if you're listening to this or not, but, um, we met in the weight room and, I w- it was one of those one of those times where I was like I don't I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to go up to him I don't know him but probably should and he ended up coming to our C group the next week and giving his life to Christ soon after wow and you know um I like to think we had a pretty good C group but it definitely not good enough um for something like that that's all that's all in Christ um so that's in the gratitude piece and then lastly um One of my favorite quotes from G.K. Chesterton, um, who is a turn-of-the-century philosopher. Um, I don't know if anybody knows him or not, but um, in in his book, um, at the end, he was talking about 
um, how he viewed God. And like, I think the idea that God is truth is, um, or at least in the Christian church makes sense, right? Like God is truth, um, which he affirms, but then also says, I not only know God as truth, but as truth telling, right? Like a father who, when he tells you, don't put your hand on the stove, you learn he does that because he loves you. And I think that rings so true for boldness, right? Christ does not call us into anything that is not for our good and for our joy, right? If this was not for our ultimate joy and to become a person of love, he would not call us to it, right? He would not put something in his scripture that was not loving. That is against the character of God. And I just think walking with God now for four or five years, over and over and over again, you see how God is incredibly loving through his teaching, incredibly loving through his commands. What he says corresponds to the nature of the world. And he's doing it because he loves you, not because of some, he's some taskmaster in the sky looking for you to break a command. No, he wants relationship with you. He loves you. And he's telling you the truth. Yeah. And so that is all that we have for you guys today on the Planted Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you guys next week.